Welcome back to the Movement Underground Radio. My next guest is Dr. Elise Tercy, who is a chiropractor, but a functional medicine doctor and self-proclaimed fitness lover and supporter of natural healing. Her main approach is to use something called enzyme replacement therapy to improve the function of the human body from the inside out. She treats a variety of patients and conditions, anything from autoimmune dysfunction to thyroid conditions, skin rashes, hormone imbalances, and even those pesky gut issues that seem to never want to go away. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome my next guest, Dr. Elise Tercy. Welcome to the Movement Underground Radio with your host, Mike Stella. What do high-performance athletes and people have in common? High-performance mindsets. We are here to take an underground look at the stories behind the athletes, therapists, trainers, and people who push their own limits so that we may expand our own. Take a deep dive underground with us in three, Two, one. All right, guys, welcome back to the Movement Underground Radio. This is your host, Mike Stella. I am so happy to introduce my next guest. I know we haven't done an episode in a while, um, but I'm really excited for this one because I have Dr. Elise Tercy in the room. And we've had such great conversations just like through social media. This is the first time we've ever actually met, um, but we share some mutual clients and kind of connected online. And I really just love your whole message. You know, obviously you guys heard the intro before we came on, um, but Dr. Tercy is a chiropractor by training, but really a functional medicine doctor. And that's kind of really where her passion and her focus is now. So Dr. Tercy, thank you for so much for coming. And can you expand on that a little bit and kind of maybe expand on your introduction a little bit more, like how you, you know, entered the chiropractic field and kind of where that took you into, into what you're doing now? Totally. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and I absolutely love your space and I'm excited to meet with you. But um, yeah, so I think that my journey of health, and I was, it's funny you're asking this question because this was a real conversation last week with a friend of mine who owns a CrossFit uh, gym. And my, like my love, my true passion for life would have been surgery. And I'm, Interesting. St- I'm still a little like, I'm still sometimes like, should I do that? <laughs> um, maybe I'm a little bit too old for that, but I knew if I wasn't going to do surgery, I knew I couldn't be in the model, like the medical model that's classic to us, right? Like the right. conventional, okay, this is your your problem, these are your symptoms, and then give pharmaceutical. Right, here's your diagnosis, and here's the pill for it. I mean like... Right, the standard operating procedure. I just can't. And it's, it's interesting because I recently had a couple of appointments myself, and I use the medical model, right? Like there's things that there's limitations to. 100%, yeah. And I kept thinking, I, heard, I overheard a conversation where it was like we saw 75 patients in two hours. And I was like floored at that yeah. concept of what quality of care? No quality of care. I mean, how could you, right? How right. could you? So How's it even possible that not. that can happen? There's right. no possibility. So right. I knew like from an early place that I knew I wanted to do something in the health space, but I knew I didn't want to go that route. Like I, okay. didn't, I didn't feel fulfilled in kind of like the masking of the things. Plus by default, I am holistic. I, I used food. Like when I was younger, when I was like really, really little, we would just have an ailment and my mom would be like, go in the back and pick the this, get the, the, get the tomato or get the garlic or go get the onion when you're sick. So I had that background of just natural health. Right. So your standard. mom was really into my it. Grandma, and, my and grandma. And your grandmother. And my okay. So mm-hmm. they kind of instilled that almost generationally, like in that 
understanding that food is medicine and, and there's certain things that we can do to help ourselves. I didn't ourselves. know anything really else. Like right. we, we wow. didn't have the model of you're sick, we're going to the doctor. Right. Unless you're sick, what do we have to use? Like what types of modalities do we have? What types of food do we have? So my grandma, I, I literally pulled this out probably a couple weeks ago. Jay the Juice Man, really like an old an older gentleman on the, on the cover of the, the book. I don't even know if he's around still. Right. Really, really dated, like uh-huh. really, really dated. And I was laughing and my grandma was the pioneer in the family of you got to eat stuff, right? Right, like, what sure. Are you eating? So yeah. that was kind of my introduction to that. So I knew that when I got older and I, I needed to follow something health and science. And I have a formal background in kinesiology. Oh, cool. Um, applied kinesiology. And I just took it from there, right? Like you just move into the next phase. And right. I, I thought chiropractic would probably be my best option as you get so much. And I think there's a little bit of a stigma where people don't realize that chiropractic, and I never really introduced myself as a chiropractor because back doctor. Right. Chiropractor means you crack back. Yeah. It comes with that preconceived notion of what it entails. And so that's why I don't call this athletic training or physical therapy for the same reason as I want somebody to come with a fresh perspective. Absolutely. Because by default, when you set that intention, they think that they know what you do. Right. So I, I don't really lead with chiropractic. I do chiropractic. I do, I do manual work and practice, but I really had an interest in more internal stuff and the connection for people that may be kind of listening, like, wait, chiropractor, functional medicine, I kind of get it, but like also not is such that, and I know you'll appreciate this, but visceral somatic reflux, mm-hmm. our internal organs refer pain to our spine and our body. Right. Yep. So a lot of times people would be coming into the practice and I might w- work them through or kind of walk them through a manual therapy like oh your pain lives here sure well the pain that you feel between your scapula and shoulder blades has a thoracic cord segment t5 to t9 that's your stomach innervation Mm -hmm. you have reflux you're bloated like we have to kind of connect it and i always found that to be more fascinating than the manual stuff so i i went that route i'm like this is really more like the evolution of what i want to do i love it i mean it, because it's so true and like human beings were so infinitely complex we're so and and the way complex. that we break it down in school into like single systems and we learn it that way which maybe is a good way to learn it maybe it's not but it it really oversimplifies and i think that's what people experience when they do go to like a physician that it's like okay it's an if then statement if you have this symptom then you get this treatment or intervention Mm -hmm. and it's very simple but we don't realize the complexity that our body actually has like when i started learning about like fascia and really getting into like the like oh wow fascia is not even just a inert connective tissue it's actually an innervated structure Mm -hmm. and has seven times more interoceptive fibers than than other connective tissues in our body that wait are also free nerve endings that are pain receptors essentially and so there's a hundred there's so much connection there and it makes a lot of sense for people especially in the modern day where we don't people aren't moving as much our mm-hmm. our diets are full of processed garbage and you know people are always looking for the quick fix and it's like the, this weird recipe that kind of leads people down the wrong rabbit holes unfortunately and it's just okay more pills more pills more pills more pills <sighs> versus maybe reducing some of the stuff that take you know what i'm saying so yeah. you know yeah. um sorry to drop the jargon but it is interesting um you know when we start looking at when i really started getting into like more of a brain-based approach to orthopedics and understanding like wow okay pain isn't a damage meter there's a lot more to it than just that and so um it, it definitely gives you a, a unique perspective i think to help people maybe differently than they're accustomed to being 
that's really where that's where it is like that's where the passion is and i'm sure i know that we have we talked about this we're in different spaces but we're also very similar in the sense that it's against the grain if you will we practice outside the box we practice not so much and i think to speak to what you were talking about is there is something to be said for clinical experience where i remember graduating from school and conditions would walk in mind you for anybody that is into all of the things around their health you can have fleas and ticks too and when what i mean by that is that we always used to think that you had one ailment this is your one diagnosis right Right. this is the problem and the algorithm is such that this is what we follow no freaking way right the equation is a plus b bracketed exponential by 10 (laughs) divided by four is kind of what we're dealing with yep so I think that to speak to what you said about, wow, like your formal credentials and your, your specific background, you learn what you learn in the curriculum. And the curriculum is very sparse sometimes, and that does allow and kind of create the space for us to go outward and keep the knowledge going and keep the seminars going and keep the continuing ed going. And you realize that there's this endless – like I'm still learning. Oh, same. 100%. And it's wow. And the more you learn, it's like the more the, you realize the how much you know, know how much you don't know. Totally. Exactly. And, and again, for me, and that's, it's really funny that you said like we're going against the grain or a little bit out. And that's literally how I got the name, the movement underground. Like an underground is like a coalition of people like the black striving <laughs> for an alternative lifestyle or artistic expression. And that's exactly what this is. It's not the standard nope. approach. It's, I try to be as all-encompassing as possible within my scope and within my lane. And so for me, it's really important to connect with people like you that have expertise in a in maybe a synergistic way, or at least we have the same philosophy, but our skill sets overlap some, but they also diverge quite a bit. And it gives me the ability to then help people indirectly by just saying, hey, this is not my thing. Mm-hmm. I think you should go see Dr. Tercy for a consultancy of there's some more that she has to offer you. And, you know, we've collaborated on a couple of patients, which has been fantastic. And the feedback that I get, oh, they're like, oh, what my God. What is the feedback? Amazing. I'm curious to know. Amazing. No, I mean, uh, I'm not going to say names. I get the same right. thing, too. So it's always funny to know, like, how we're interpreted and how we're Right, perceived. sure. I mean, no, just can't say good enough good things about you and how helpful it's been. And, and, and the funny part is, is, like, they'll say, like, uh, how it's a similar experience, but very different. That's what I've gotten back to. Yeah. So it's like, and and that to me is like, A, it's very validating. B, I just love that. And it makes me more confident to refer, which again is like a reflection of me and my business is like, if I refer somebody to a quality person that gives them that same level of care that I would expect a client to get here, it works out really, really well. So I do appreciate all your help and, and, and you sharing your knowledge and, and helping these people because there's, you know, we, we gerrymander back and forth in healthcare about who's the best at each particular box, you know, and labeled diagnosis. And the reality is, is like there's so many approaches, you know. Yeah. And I think that to some degree, diagnosis should be shifted. I, I feel like sometimes people are very hung up on what the diagnosis is. They're coming in and this is my diagnosis. And there again, going back to the concept of why I formally don't say chiropractor, right? Because right. We think that we know something before we know it. And so, and even with pain, and I'm sure you can maybe kind of attest to this, but when somebody believes something, like when they say, oh, I have a diagnosis, that is not faint for the faint of heart. That can almost seep into the tissues of I have, I am, this is my Right, they identify, they identify as the, with diagnosis. the diagnosis. And what people, I think the, one of the things I say to my clients all the time is, 
A diagnosis is a label defined by your insurance company, not by healthcare. Love that. You know I what I mean? It's, in, it's defined so that we have a way to pay for it. Mm. Right. So like people are like, Oh, I, I, you know, my, my sister was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, right? Mm-hmm. A catch all term for chronic idiopathic or pain that we don't know what the origin is of. And, you know, and, and it's, it's always difficult when you're dealing with family because they know you as brother and not as what you do for your, for a living. You'll never but, be that way. You'll never right. listen to mom. Right. A hundred percent. But with, even with that being said, it's, you know, people come in attached to the diagnosis and mm. they identify. And I was that athlete, you know, like I identified as having my knee have, the, you know, like blew my knee out, tore every ligament, you know, tibial plateau, fracture, cartilage, deformation, the whole thing. And like that defined me as a person for those years. And as an athlete, it was really hard because what I ended up having wasn't even just a physical limitation. I was dealing with like almost an identity crisis Mm -hmm. in my early 20s and my late teens when I'm, you know, those are formative years that you're trying to begin the formation of who you are as a human. And I was so wrapped up as being an athlete that when that was taken away or that wasn't a thing anymore, like you struggle with it, you know. But um, yeah, it's super interesting. You're 100% right. People come in with this label and they believe it. And I think when they get labeled by a healthcare provider, it's kind of that nocebo effect, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like they feel broken because they, or they believe that they're broken because the, the doctor said so. And it's like, man, it's like, that's like even for me and, and like what I do here is just trying to be very careful with my words mm-hmm. because they matter. And I try to focus like, hey, I'm not looking for dysfunctions. I'm looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I frame it that way. It's like this is, I found these things in your movement screen. These are opportunities for us to see how they can impact your life. You know what I mean? I love that. So it's it's all about how you frame it with people. And I think even though I'm doing it intentionally, I'm doing it intentionally, it's received very different. It's like, wow, okay, these are things that I can do and try to give that autonomy back. Well, it's the conditioning too, right? right? Like when we go to a doctor, we're expecting for them to tell us what's broken, what's not right. working. And we're waiting for that. We're walking in there knowing something may be wrong. And exactly. So I love that there's space. You, It sounds like you create the space for there may be something wrong. We're not going to focus on what's wrong. We're going to focus on what's right and work with that and play sure, with that. Exactly. Or at least find the things that could be better and, and look, focus on the high ROI strategies. And yep. that's what I like to try to like use that terminology the finance terms because people get oh you mean the most benefit for the least amount of intervention possible you know i love that so so take us from the like obviously you, you talked about your background and like from your family and your upbringing being very holistic just by by the nature of your relationships but take that for did you go into chiropractic school with that in mind or you said like you're into manual therapy and that kind of stuff too. And then it just kind of like take us from Cairo school to where you're at now. Yeah. So, well, interestingly enough, I don't think people realize this until you look at the course curriculum for chiropractic school that we get a lot of super diverse. Yeah. Like I think that there's this notion that, Oh, you're going to go and learn about your spine. We get a lot of spine we get a lot of anatomy we get, but we get a lot of stuff. We get visceral anatomy. We get skeletal anatomy. I mean, we get nutrition courses, botanical medicine courses. We get clinical nutrition therapy, which is a little bit more complicated as to healthy foods that are not healthy for conditions, right? Where we have this thought of eat, eat clean. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, oh, whole food based and organic and vegetables, but certain food groups are actually contraindicated in certain conditions, even though they're healthy. Right. Peppers, onions, garlic in a gallbladder that's not functioning good luck 
Right. Good luck. High dose raffinose foods, foods that contain a lot of fiber in Crohn's and colitis, like healthy foods will absolutely destroy their digestive system. Right. So the cool part about the chiropractic uh, profession is that we get all of that. We get this kind of multi-diverse caliper of stuff. And a lot of our credentials are mixed with naturopathic doctors as well. So my school was in Chicago. It's acupuncture, Eastern medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic doctors. Wow. I went the DC route versus the ND route only because Truly, I should have been an ND, but because the licensure of naturopathic medicine is sparse. Right. It's really not accepted, per se, in certain states. Certain states. And so New there's York, that state-to-state state regulation totally, part. Totally. Right. And New York is one of the states that if you live in New York, you know our restrictions and our um, political lifestyle. and. We have some draconian policies when it comes to licensure int- and regulation, as, especially for the for health professions. For yeah. everybody. For every right. professional uh, you know, in this even from state to state, so just for acupuncturists by default, acupuncture in New York State requires a master's degree. Acupuncture in the state of Illinois does not require that. It requires 200-hour certification. Interesting. Wow. So you can be so, an acupuncturist in different states, but then not be an I mean, like, that's wild, right? Right. Hard, hard, so yeah. I didn't want to deal with that. I didn't want to deal with that. So I said, I'm going to go the chiropractic route because we are licensed and nationally certified and board certified in all states. And um, I knew that I could still blend the two. Right? right, like I knew I could blend the two, and it's interesting because I think my passion for musculoskeletal things actually evolved when I started to get into the space of of exercise and movement science and and even pain myself. Right, I really started to perk my ears up as to oh, like this is a thing. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of the evolution of where it was. I I knew walking into it, I would do something with botanical medicine, enzyme therapy clinical nutrition therapy i treated a lot of the clinicians in clinic botanical medicine uh professors they would come to see me like i was really really a great student probably above and beyond and i loved all of it though right like it wasn't one thing i'm like i love all of this and i still love all of the things i could learn i mean i love your space and i would love to learn from you like something that would be not my field per se but there's that endless capacity of like, tell me all of the things all of the time. Well, it just enriches <laughs> your context, right? Absolutely. And like I, the more I learn, even if it's stuff outside of my, my lane, I always find those, um, those segues into what I am doing. And there's so much to draw from. Like even when I learn about like business and all these other things and yeah. entrepreneurship, there's always things that are like, oh, wow, that's similar to like how I go about this in a clinical perspective. It's, it's really, really interesting. And no, that's awesome. I, I love it. I mean, it's very similar for me. It just kind of evolved naturally. Like I don't think, did you ever treat as a, like a traditional chiropractor? Never. Like in a, never. So you went right into like your own thing straight out of school. That's awesome. And the, and the real reason why wasn't, wasn't because of anything other than just what I what I felt I wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. I really wanted to honor what I felt I could be good at and and provide the most support for. So, you know, and that's why it's funny because I often say to people, if you have a, a, a an ailment that really requires a, a full workup, Mike Stella. Oh, I appreciate. Like that. I yeah. know my role to some yeah. capacity. I'm not going to pretend to be this person. Like I can support the spine and I could support certain things, but there's things I'm like, no, 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 this is not my bread and butter. This is not what I would claim to fame so i i don't know like i think that i just yes and no like part of me knew maybe i wouldn't go that route but i think i did explore pure chiropractic for a small portion of my career okay and i wasn't fulfilled it was very it was very um back to back to back to back to back like it was very how many chiropractic patients can you see in the day 
Yeah, especially like I mean, you get into I don't those want like to Medicare models and like workman's comp and all Insurance that stuff, and it's like care. brutal. It, and I tell people all the time, it's like, yeah, science will dictate care, but money dictates it more. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, those are the two factors that really mold healthcare into what it is. And and unfortunately, the latter tends to morph it harder and more, um, I guess, insidiously in nature. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because there's the profitability of medicine and then there's the altruism of medicine yeah and i think a lot of times we all get nobody gets into a med like especially like the rehab fields and i I consider that like you know massage therapy chiro athletic training physical therapy Mm -hmm. like we don't get into this to be millionaires there's you know what i mean nobody gets into that program and goes yeah i'm gonna make a million freaking dollars doing this you're in the wrong field we're doing it because we want to help people Mm -hmm. and then we get into our career and then there's the financial component and we're like oh wait shoot i gotta see 30 patients today and and that's why i really fell in love with athletic training yeah. because it was a, a, a profession really founded in altruism and that traditional model of being in a school working with an athletic team where there is no financial component it's just give your athletes the best possible care with, with the, whatever resources that you have i was attracted to that because mm-hmm. it was like sports medicine in a bubble like it wasn't it didn't matter what you did as long as it got people better not and within obviously the framework of you know evidence and all that kind of stuff but then you know the deeper i got into it i'm like man i'm just not making any money doing this and and then there's the whole personal part of it where it's like you got to make a living you know we can't i would you know if i had millions in the bank i'd treat for free still because i love doing it but i still got to make a living you know so like those are the kinds of things that we um but we no. can blend it. I think that to comment a little bit on that, and one of the things is my business is a cash business. I have a cash practice entirely, and a lot of people are surprised to hear that. But I think I think that especially right now with everything going on in our world, people are, are divided. Yeah. And the division is actually creating a little bit of contrast that's required, right? Because I at least know people that come to see me oftentimes the story is such where – I don't want to be put on the conveyor belt. I need more than a 10-minute visit. I have exhausted all of my options with my insurance. I pay for health insurance, right? I pay a lot of money for it. I'm being the patient. Sure, Um, 100%. And I've seen the the specialty doctors, but I'm not getting an answer, and I'm still on pharmaceuticals, and I'm taking more and more. And, And I'm also willing to pay for it because I'm recognizing that the value is not there. 100%. So I feel like we're at this place where people can separate and it's actually, it's actually really, really freaking ironic because it's the other model that's bringing the people in, right? It's ironic that my business model isn't me having to do that. It's innately in the fact that they're not getting that from the field right. and the model and people and myself included. When I go somewhere and I have these experiences where it's like, because I have knowledge of autoimmunity and because I have knowledge of, of the things in health and I know I'm seeing a doctor for X, Y, Z and I have not been fully worked up. I'm angry. I realize you have not even asked me applicable things, clinical things that are important and imperative for you to know about this thing. And I've also exhausted that I cannot be in that space. And I think that for people, they kind of go that way initially and they realize how crappy the basket looks of like, this is what you're getting for it. Right. And then they're able to, without even a flinch financially for, for people to say, I'm here. 
I'm here and I'm willing because right. I know that I've done that game and I've played that. And it's almost like you get sick and tired of being sick and tired until you're sick and tired of that, that you make the shift. I think uh, you, I, you, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It's the same experience for me here on like maybe the orthopedic side of the fence where it's, you know, um, people know when they're being neglected. And even if they don't have any idea about their health or any knowledge pro- like of their own, they know when they're being misled mm-hmm. or they know when the answer is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it hurts when you do that. Oh, just don't do that. Well, well, gee, freaking thanks. This is something that's important, important to my life. And you're just going to take it away. It's like, you know, it's like, OK, you got a middle aged woman, mother of three who's an avid runner with an Achilles issue. Just don't run for six weeks. Well, maybe that's her only outlet, outlet for stress relief. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, you know, and it's like people want guidance and they want coaching and they want to collaborate with somebody on their health. And. I was super nervous entering the cash space because, because I'm the same way, fully cash-based business. Because a, there was really there's not much of a precedent for athletic trainers to do so, mm-hmm. so I didn't know what the legal the legality status of it was, and and b, I was worried that people wouldn't pay. And then the deeper I got into it, the more I realized it's like there's always a market for quality, and people will pay for results. Absolutely, they're not paying for the treatment; they're paying for the results. And as long as your results focused and you can show people a progression and a path, then at least they're saying, I'm getting something for this money. Mm-hmm. You know, because people don't realize they go to the, the standard. They're paying. You're 100% right. They're paying more than they even think they are. They don't realize. They don't even paying. realize what they're paying. And to get that very little in return or almost nothing. I mean, again, our our conventional health system does have its merits. Like if I go in the street Absolutely. and get hit by a car and my organs are spilling out, please take me to a surgeon now. Don't take don't me. Don't come to my office. Please don't come to my office because you're right. going to get, and I won't right. walk a lot. <laughs> I need the surgeon. Absolutely. I need that that system because we're very good at that. Thank God for that. Right? 100%. Like, I cannot, and I, and I respect and love and honor all professions. It's not, it's not this It's or not that. a knock on it's them. It's this right. and that. It, but, it, exactly. but it's limited, right? We have to honor, and, and, and people know that, right? I have doctors that are M, uh, friends that are MDs, and they're like, we don't do that. I don't talk about food. I mean, if you look at the curriculum, they don't talk about food. They don't, they get maybe a 10-hour course um in specific things and they kind of know that well, look at what we feed people in hospitals it's like oh do you want to sure. coke with your freaking processed microwavable meal like that's a hospital that's what you're feeding people it's yeah. like how do you expect your oh give them a diet coke instead yeah because that aspartame is doing a real good job for their liver right that's <laughs> 22 but i know it I just think- like those are the things though i think the more you do know the more it it bothers me like i have a really hard time you know, sometimes I listen to people's stories, especially like we, one of our mutual clients, and it's really heartbreaking because you feel almost, I sometimes feel personally responsible, even though I had nothing to do with it. It's like, well, you know, when I, when I hear horror stories from my other athletes, from their athletic trainer at school, and I'm just like, man, it's like you share that credential with these people. Like same thing for you, the whack and crack, you know, Cairo clinics where it's just, okay, 75 patients a day. And nobody gets better, and it's just bill your insurance, here's your $50 copay or whatever the hell it is, you know? Totally. And that's what makes you good, right? Like, that's right. why you're, that, that thing that, that we personalize or maybe take on a little bit more than we – I mean, I think about patients often. There's times I'm in my life, and I'm thinking about something clinically for them, or I'm thinking about a strategy, and I think that differentiates us in a really great way. Right. Of, of there's passion. Like, I'm with you. My patients yeah. know that. When they come in – 
I will figure it out. We will figure it out together. Right. And I'm if we don't know, we'll find the Absolutely. person who does. 100%. I may not be your, your stone, but I could be your stepping stone. Yeah. Totally. And, and people are willing to, to pay for that from a financial perspective. I think people respect that. People really are willing to say, I will, I am committing to this and I will respect that. And I really value an hour every single week for weeks on end. Like, it's, it's creating value for people. Mm-hmm. I think that's what has to be. You can't sell something, right? Like you can't give someone a price for, for anything, right? You wouldn't buy something if it's like, but what am I actually getting for this, right? Yeah, that's the interesting hard part about the business side of the equation is obviously valuing your service. I mean, we probably could dive into this for hours, but, you know, how do you evaluate your service? How do you, you know, how do you give somebody that elevator pitch where to give them a gist and build? I think it's really important. Like if you really want to sell something to anybody, they have to trust you. And so like, like what I even instill in Brian are like our goal at the end of our assessment session, which is an eval treat is just build trust and rapport Mm -hmm. and be honest, you know, be honest and transparent with people, what your plan would be for them and project them into the future. They'll make the decision at that point, whether what we're asking for as far as price is going to be worth it for them. But we're not, I'm never a pushy salesman. You're not selling right. it. You're just here to support. I'm here them. to educate. Right. I'm here right. to support you. And then, and then it's funny too, because I'll get clients that be like, Oh, like this happened. And I, oh, I was going to text you, but I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, this is what you were paying for. This is what I do. Like text me. Right. That's why I have all these things set up, these channels for you to go through so that you can get what you need. That's the idea of concierge care is like, we're here. Absolutely. We're here. We're here for you. And I think that that, that feels really good for anybody knowing that if something happens, you can have that support. Like that really feels good for anybody, whether it's a quick question or a quick phone call. And I love that. It's a, it's a different space. And I, I want to speak to something you mentioned about, um, what was it? I'm going to drop the, the concept, but like we have to speak out about the things that maybe people don't want to talk about. I forgot what you just said before. And We'll, we'll get there. I won't. It's I like won't a patient there. advocacy, really. I mean, it's like we have, you know, you. I tell my athletes, you have to be your own advocate. You yeah. have to speak up. You can't just receive the message from your doctor. You have to, you know, like there's a game to it. And a lot of what I do is like when I do need to go the traditional route, like there's stuff where, okay, hey, we, there may be some structural derangement. I have to coach people up on how to talk to their doctor to get what they need out of the visit. It's unfortunate, but that's it, you know. You know how it is. It's it's part of playing yeah. the, the healthcare game. You got to yeah. know how it works in order to play it well. You do, you do, and I think it could be done in a beautiful space of not being. I think a lot of people get a little funny, right? Because it's the doctor. So how can I come to the doctor and say that this is kind of where I'm at? They right. a lot of people shut down. They think they think it's this like manipulative relationship of I will tell you what to do. That's not the role, right? Like right. I don't think that's the way it works ever. I'm not here to tell you and to shame you and to coerce you and to force you. I'm here to share with you a possible option process that may be something that you benefit from. And people get nervous too because when when you send them out into that space, it's like, but how do I do that, right? Like how do I ask that this may be the right image I need or or I'm not interested in cutting something right away, right? Like we have to be able to be sovereign in, and you can do that in a graceful space and it doesn't need to be challenging an ego. It doesn't need to be malicious or malintended. It doesn't need to be this game of, of I'm questioning what you know, but I think one of the concepts for, for all of us right now, especially is challenge the belief, like challenge what you think that you know to be true right? in any capacity. And health is one of the things that really is, is rising us to that occasion that unless you're able to 
speak what you need, you will get pushed over and you will get body parts chopped out right. on, I wouldn't say on accident, but maybe that wouldn't have been the right course, right? Right. And a lot of times we don't do that. We're like, oh, but my doctor said to do this. And right, I was they told get bulldogged to into it, You're basically. You're bullied. And right. It's You're a bullied bully model. It, 100%. Do not do that. And it doesn't mean to be bully back, right? Like I never like to say like, go in there, huffle, puffle your chest. But right. but know that you are a sovereign human that can ask clinical questions and be a free thinker. And if something doesn't feel right or if you need more information, it's okay to say that. Right. I need more info about uh, info about this thing. People don't do that, right? We have to get rid of that model of I'm coming to you so you tell me what I should do. I can't tell you how many athletes I work with where I have to really break down what the doctor said and what they're recommending because they didn't get it at the office. Yes. And and part of it may be because they didn't ask the questions or they didn't feel like they were in a safe space to ask that question. Whereas I have that rapport and it's like, hey, Mike, what does this mean? Um, what are these options? And, and, you know, and that's like the classic role of an athletic trainer is be the um, – the athlete's advocate, be able to speak all the language of the coach and the physician and the support staff and, you know, and be able to interpret and um, relay these, these messages because, you know, healthcare is intimidating, like you said before, and people don't go there because everything's great. They go because they're scared or worried about something. And there's this anxiety driven thing. And that's even like when you were saying, like, I love your space. Like I designed it purposefully because I wanted to break that mold. It's like, you know, I could have made it all beige and put the sailboat picture on the wall of like, you know, uh, white, white yeah, like the, you know, and like the classic, you know, but I wanted the natural tones and the nature tones because I wanted to have that feel, right? The essential oil diffuser. People think it's like, it's really funny, but these are things I've picked up from the holistic and alternative medicine side of the fence that I see a lot of value in. And there's, it's not even that it's like an opinion of value. It's like, this is like freaking science. Like we measured it. Like there's data to support. I forget what the study was, but it looked at people that were in a hospital stay for seven days or more and they changed the foot of the bed. This was from the book Blue Mind is where this is referenced from. And he references a study where they had a nature scene. Mm -hmm. They had an urban scene and then just the white, you know, footing of the bed as the as the control. And the people with the nature scene, and it didn't matter what their condition was, it was for a hospital stay of seven days or more. So obviously these are inpatient people that have serious serious conditions. Their hospital stays were, I believe it was 40% shorter. They required less pain medication. They and they reported higher levels of patient satisfaction. Totally believe it. Right? Versus the urban scene or the control group, which virtually were the same. A lot of people don't do well in fluorescent light in white rooms. A lot of people that are more energy sensitive. They feel that, myself included. My office, and I want you to come come see it at some point. Definitely. Everybody always comments this morning. Somebody was like, I need to create my room like this where I have I have trees and I have got greenery and shrubs and it's all earthy tones. Yeah, I try to get plants, but I keep killing them. We have to get you, maybe we have to get you some like <laughs> some fake plants. fake plants. Just I, no, I, I last spring it was like, you know, it was like, okay, COVID and like everything. You know, I wasn't seeing patients because we were shut down in this industry and I was like, okay. Time to really spruce the place up. And I went and I bought, like, I spent like $500 on plants, and they right? Died? No, and I kept them for a long time. But then it's like, yeah, I travel and like stuff started getting busy again. And it's like easy to forget. And I was hanging them up on the windows because I got these great big windows. And, like, oh, <laughs> hanging plants. And it's like, that well, they're not alive. easy to water. That's freaking aloe. You know how hard that thing is to kill? <laughs> they almost, 
you almost can't kill them, although it does need water. I have a cactus in the bathroom. That one needs water. It yeah, need it, water, it does yeah. need some water. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, Brian's going to get deducted on his paycheck because he's <laughs> supposed to water it. Um, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's, it's just funny. It's just like, you know, there's a million other things to do. And it's just like, okay, now the plants aren't as much of a, well, they are a priority. I got to get back to they, that. They but. really are. And I'm going to, I'm going to rebuttal that because in the morning when I wake up, I have plants um, where I am and it's part of my Zen morning. Like I water my plants and I used to be the same way. Anything that came in was dead. <laughs> my mom would bring me things and she's like, what happened here? And I'm like, I just forgot. I just forgot. Right. Right. Now I'm, I'm my plants as if I, they're my babies. Right. That's so funny. That's but great. I think it's so true back to the concept of healing that people really enjoy spaces. They yeah. enjoy like that warm welcoming. I find, and I had an appointment last week somewhere. It was in the basement, white walls, white fluorescent light, maybe a picture on the wall i felt horrid right super sterile i felt environment. so i'm i was like can i put on some fake glasses i mean when you're at the dentist and you look up they have those lights with the the clouds i love it yeah. we need that stuff I, you know it's fun it's the the devil's in the details right and it's like you know maybe 90 percent of my clients don't even notice that it's there I bet they do but but the ones that do it means a lot like you know i can't it's really funny to see like these guys that are like basically pro ball players they're all buying essential oil diffusers because they like that. the smell totally. and i even use like a very specific scent profile mm-hmm. that's like the natural scent profile and i always use it because i'm trying to like incorporate because there's that emotional bridge to the brain right like the amygdala and like your me- right and all of a sudden they, they associate that smell with that Ew. recovery oh. and the experience and so that's what i'm trying to instill is like that same experience what, uh, what oils what blend i use um it dep- I've changed it a little bit. I usually use like citrusy notes, but right now we've been on like this lavender vanilla kick where it's been those two primarily. Yeah. But I'll show you my collection. I want to see. Yeah, White Angelica yeah. is my signature scent. What is it? White Angelica? White Angelica. Okay, awesome. By Young Living. It's Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. All right, so let's let's <laughs> let me like, ask you. I know it's kind of, but that's why I love this I know, stuff. I, I love that's why I love the podcast format. It's it's fun to dig deep with people, especially people that are amazing at what they do and and really kind of get that you know like one thing about social media that i think is is unfortunate is that it's such short form content and we're perpetuating this whole short attention span among people but there's this great movement in where people really love the long form stuff i love the long i'm always here for like a 45 minute podcast yeah, I love the deep stuff because I know in that conversation because it's nuanced, it's right? It's layered. It's nuanced. It's not just the quick six minute, the six no. second like big hits. It's we have to start having nuanced conversations, especially in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Before we get to that nuanced conversation, because I definitely want to pick your brain about you know the current landscape of healthcare and what's happening. Because I do get asked about this, and I'm very hesitant to say what I think, um, especially on like Twitter and Instagram because it's too short form and I, and I don't want to mislead. I don't want people, you know, people tend to peg you into a certain camp right away. Right. So we'll get into that, but tell me about like what you're passionate about now with your, the functional medicine scene. What's your specialty? What, what does your typical patient look like? Um, and, and maybe kind of take me through or take us through, you know, kind of that discovery process of, like how you actually interview, like what are your intervention strategies for the common things that you see? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of ailments that come into the office and, and primarily I will say my practice is about 95% female for a lot of reasons, but 
I, I really have a passion for viral load, viruses, weird critters, so pathogens. Think mm-hmm. We call them in this field stealth infections. The stealth infections are things that people get and pick up and acquire that create chronic problems that they don't know are there. So, for example, Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, mm-hmm. mold, um, things that we might get. Lyme is another example. Babesia microti, Bartonella. These are critters. They are bacterial origin, viral origin, um, mycotoxins. They could be any type of pathogen that can create disease. Well, they live in and amongst us, and no one really talks about that in our field. Like, we don't get a lot of, even the word when I say stealth infections, people say, what's that? When I say mycotoxins, what's that? There's not a lot of people talking about infection. Mm -hmm. And by default, the kind of way I think about our life is we're living in these meat suits, right? Right, yeah, I love that. And we're like pinged by everything. Like there's constantly right now stuff coming at us. There's interactions happening 100% of the time. Totally with critters. And that could be plastics from, you know, all of the stuff that we have in our life is plastic-based. It could be who knows when they clean the, the vents mm-hmm. in, in offices. My office we cleaned includes. them recently because we had I'm to. I'm happy to hear that. Right, by right, default. Right. A lot of people are being more hygienic now. But these things, by default, they can live in and amongst us. And they can create a ton of metabolic dysfunction that no one's looking for. And the kind of nature of it is the fibromyalgia patients, right? Right. The, the kind of chronic fatigue i'm sleeping seven eight nine hours and i woke up as if i didn't sleep yeah like nothing is is helping me body pain that's unrelentless things that are migratory joint pain um unknown fevers people that have these weird kind of not fitting the algorithm picture they don't fit the insurance they, model diagnosis model. So they can't fit in a nice, neat little box of a diagnosis. No. So they get written off as idiopathic when they're, and I hate that freaking term in medicine because, oh, idiopathic, we don't know why. No, it there is a reason I why. I was going to say, there shouldn't, that shouldn't exist, right? There, there, is, there is always a reason. a reason. Totally. You know, our body just doesn't do stuff for no reason. Exactly. It's a response, right? Exactly. It's always a response to something. Exactly. So I work with people that have exactly those types of things where they aren't able to identify what it is. Chronic skin rashes, dermatotoxins, mm. really bad ailments, periorbital dermatitis, unknown rashes, where in the field of dermatology and in the field of like rashes, a lot of immune modulation is happening. So you can actually equate viral load to immune system modulation. Like how do we fight critters that we don't even know exist? And I think for right now, people understand because whatever the belief system is around can I say it? You can say it, yeah. C nineteen, I'll call yeah, it that sure. so we don't get No, it. you can you can say I think the podcast format is a little bit more forgiving on that okay. topic. So, so people yeah. understand with, with COVID and, and uh, the coronavirus, SARS virus, they realize and if they if people have had this, they can really get it because they know I had a virus. I had it. And something is not right since I mm-hmm. had the virus where women are in groups. There's tons of new Facebook groups. Hair loss chunks of hair loss post-covid fatigue has not been uh never been worse for people after that they're like okay i had this virus and i fought it and i felt the crap i felt the crap that it was associated with it and i'm still not okay right something's off yeah i'm i'm having headaches all of a sudden i'm not focused my cognition is not there i'm losing hair i'm really freaking anxious I'm really anxious. It's almost as if these viruses can create whatever could have been there. It brings it to the surface. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what I do for people is in the sense of I try to identify. Sometimes it's identifiable by comprehensive functional medicine blood work. We can look at critters. We can look at different strains of Epstein-Barr. We can look at viral load. We can look at pathogens. We can look at species candidiasis. We can look at critters in the blood. But, side note, I should say, and they're not always in the blood. Interesting. They're, they're in the tissues. Wow. Okay. And we can't always biopsy tissues. Right. So, so people can still have things, and that's where it gets a little bit confusing because they're like, oh, I've been, I, I've been tested for all of the things and RA factors and rheumatoid. It's not rheumatoid. It's not lupus. It's not MS. It's not um, Shrogan's. It's not these classic things, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not there. It's just not there yet or it's not in the blood yet. And, and a lot of the kind of so it's not in a concentration high enough in the blood to be picked up by a diagnostic exactly. test. Exactly. So, for example, someone breaks a bone. I mean, how much breakage do you have to have in order to see it on an X-ray? There's a percentage. Oh, there. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So if people miss stress fractures all the time on X-ray. All the time. Right. So, does it mean that the fracture's not there? No, right. it's just we didn't identify. It's kind of like if if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? It's kind of like that. It's that. Right. It's that concept. Totally that. So interesting. And, th and that, that, that's the part, too, of, like, again, collaborating with outs like a provider like you, which is, like, I'm aware of what I don't know mm -hmm. enough to identify it that I don't know it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, this is something that I think is more up Dr. Tercy's alley, yeah. you know? And it's really wild because it probably does bleed into your – and you, you certainly might can tell me – probably bleeds into your field more often than you than you may think and like i said you can have both is it possible that you have an, an athlete in the office with an injury that's not progressing right that's mm -hmm. like why are we not getting the results that we want i'm doing the things that i know to do and i know my my treatment plan is great and i also know that we can't move forward with this treatment you won't hold because you're bathed in a chemical cocktail of stress hormones right or you're bathed in this kind of place where your tissue isn't able to we're not there yet right like there's kind of this course correction of like triaging of am i able to keep this healthy thing like chiropractic adjustments this is a great example people that have been adjusted before they're like i love it i feel so good but it doesn't last right it doesn't last because not that it was the, the wrong care wrong adjustment wrong technique but because you are not just one thing right you're not just muscles and, and fascia and tissue you are also chemical that affects the tissue and the tissue affects the chemicals right it's an it's, it's like you're you know we're a product of the environment and our internal environment we, th we think environment is the stuff outside of our body it's but our inside. internal environment is going to dictate a lot of how we feel and like even just like the whole gut brain connection the skin brain connection like how in how powerful these things are. That's what I fell in love with manual therapy was, was this whole idea of like, wow, touches. I can touch somebody in a certain way and it can completely change the way that they move and the way that they feel with whatever orthopedic, and again, I'm looking at it from an orthopedic lens or a biomechanical lens, but wow, that's incredible that that can happen in such a short amount of time. It's like, oh, well, there's, you're playing this game with the brain and our brains are highly adaptable and easy to trick and easy to, um, they're very malleable, right? So it's easy to give some different inputs and get that result, right? And so that's where I think, yeah. you know, same thing goes for maybe our internal environment as well. Absolutely. And and there is no one size fits all. Like I, I get a lot of questions. So what would you do for Epstein-Barr? So what would you do for cytomegaly virus? So what would you do if I have Babesia microti? It's not one size fits all because sure. you have to look at what's the integrity of your liver. How able are you to detoxify? 
What's the ability of your stress hormone levels? Are you dumping cortisol and DHEA sulfate? Are you are you healing and you know you're coming to my office and Mike's office, but then walking into an environment of an abusive relationship? Right. So, so then you're just bathing the stress hormone. It's just like you can be doing everything right, and then your own environment from a even from interpersonal relationships can absolutely. be a factor. I mean, that's a big one, right? Like, I was just on a, 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 a consult yesterday with a bunch of people. We were in conversation around what causes autoimmunity, right? Like, autoimmunity, if you piece it apart, auto is self, immunity right. is your immune system. Why would I attack myself? Like, why would – we are so complex and, right. and amazing. Is it error? Like, is it an error that happened where, where I attacked myself? It's never an error. We are divinely orchestrated. But the autoimmunity that, that this is where kind of I'm getting more into the learning in this space is I have been fascinated by somatic body-based work where, and I think you probably do more of this, which I'm interested to know, somatic work is body-based work where the issues are in the tissues. The emotional issues are in, in the, tissues, the tissues. For sure. Not just the trauma of a strain or a tear or you know an aggregate of tissue or a collective tissue of fibers that are stuck together and clumped together, but the emotions of our health that people aren't talking about that i mean my classic person is i'm not sleeping i'm not pooping or i'm pooping way too much i I can't i can't function in my world Mm. i can't stay focused i'm not sleeping through the night i have chronic pain and it's like it's in our body i saw this interesting article and it was um gosh i wish i could remember it specifically if I, i find it i'll send it to you but it was a um wasn't an opinion piece it was a clinical commentary based on a few different studies that had been done in the, in the, and one of the things it was saying is like a a high percentage of people diagnosed with fibromyalgia had an unresolved childhood trauma. 1000%. So like an emotional trauma. And, and in the, and the whole piece was kind of a commentary on this idea. That's exactly what you're saying is that our, our body remembers. It has this capacity for learning, and, and this is something that is actually substantiated in a lot of the fascial research when we talk about, you know, the, the, the mind-body connection, I guess, is the easy way to talk about it. But this idea that an injury isn't just a structural injury, it's a neurological injury, it's yeah. a brain injury, it changes the plasticity, it changes how your brain interacts with that area of your body, um, and our interventions should reflect that on some level. And so I think that there's this whole movement, especially on the orthopedic rehab side and the physical therapy world of like manual therapies aren't evidence-based because they're not permanent changes, right? So there's this whole movement of like Mm -hmm. manual therapy sucks. And I'm just like, man, these people are just missing the boat completely. Mm -hmm. You just don't realize not only the, the psychological impact of putting your hands on somebody else from the patient's perspective, the social impact of that, you know, like, wow, I feel like I'm actually getting, even if it's freaking placebo, I don't care. Even if that's all we could measure is that it's a placebo effect. I'm down the with fact placebo. is, I'm, yeah, as long as people get better. It, it, but it, it, the reason I love hands-on therapies is it kind of checks off all of these boxes, right? There's a biological component. There's a sensory and tissue mechanic component to it. There's a psychological component to it where I can use that as a vehicle to educate somebody and also hear them, right? And then there's that social component. So we're checking off the big three boxes of this biopsychosocial approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, 
that was part of the reason I've always gravitated, why I gravitated towards like rock tapes education and like, you know, yeah, we're teaching about kinesiology tape and, you know, you can say what you want about kinesiology tape, but the, the messaging that it's packed in when we t teach our courses about you're not just treating a meat suit. There's a human being att attached to that with their own cognitive and emotional biases that we that are part of their condition, whether you want to admit that or not. I think people just don't know. There's not enough chat or communication around when are we when do we ever get talked about in, in the sense of our credentialing about emotional stuff like our right. from a societal perspective it forget schooling right forget like a professional school or any type of coursework no one talks about how are your emotions affecting your physical body right and, i mean i guess a, a good way to describe it too and I, I would rebuttal what you said in the sense not from what you said but th the orthopedic world doesn't believe in um manual therapy I actually don't believe in non-manual therapy. Right. Like I would, I would go the opposite and say that it, unless I was just saying there's a there's a certain movement, especially on yeah. social media, of touch, right? therapists like, that are like, I'm not doing manual therapy because it's not evidence based, and it's like, well, they're kind of cherry picking some articles and yeah. some SR reviews that basically, you know, are but misinterpreted statistically, and so we just say, okay, it doesn't work. So basically, again, throwing the baby out with the bathwater kind of deal. Yes, and I mean evidence based. I mean, how do you measure? evidence right how do you measure right. the evidence of a chiropractic adjustment how do you measure which is by the way one of the most evidence supported interventions we have as far as phys physical medicine is joint mobilizations and exactly. manipulations right but it's one of those things i think it's such a crap thing of you know we don't we live in a culture that says unless i can see it i don't believe it and I no know. one talks about that stuff right and i see it i see it in my practice i cannot not see it right and like by default i am really Traditionally, I wanted to be a surgeon. I kind of veered prior to my current self and my evolution and my life and my growth in my own world. But I used to be like, you better show it to me on an image. You better bring me the, the blood work. Way. You better show. I, I want data. Give me the data. I, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I... Like, as I listen to podcasts and, like, you know, and I go on weird, like, kicks on, like, what I listen to. And, like, right recently I've been consuming a lot of, like, philosophy-related content. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I just started getting into it, listened to a, an audio book and, you know, really got really started diving down like this whole stoic philosophy, you know, rabbit hole. And 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 a, a lot of what I think people struggle with when it comes to rehab and like dealing with, let's just say, an injury or, or a chronic pain issue is a lack of faith, mm -hmm. a lack of believing that they can get better. Right. And buying in to the process. And and it's and, you know. I try to be humble and, and modest because I know I'm, I don't know everything by, by any means. And it's easy as you kind of build on social media, how people can maybe put you on a little bit of a pedestal and, and you'll start to fall into this trap of maybe believing in your own hype, I guess. I try not to do that, but we're all vic guilty of that at some point or another, I guess, you, you know, especially when people are like saying nice things about you, right? Right, it's, right. And, now, and now you better deliver, right? Because now right. the expectation is there. And then when I don't get an instant result for people, I'm like, man, I don't fucking know anything. <laughs> <laughs> we all do that. Everybody I'm like, yeah, I'm the man when it works, and then I'm the worst when it home, doesn't. And you go I know nothing. I'm not I doing know, this anymore. I know. It, but it's, it happens to everybody. But I, th but I think what I've, like, listening to a lot of philosophy, and, and I'm, you know, I was, I was brought up Catholic in a Catholic family, but I, I don't, I'm not a deeply religious person. I don't, I don't go to church or anything like that, but I, I would say I'm spiritual, mm -hmm. like, especially that I've, in my later, like, in my more recent life, you know, just from experiences, but, um, it, it's interesting. I think people suffer from a lack of faith in their own self. 
and what they can overcome. And I always keep trying to frame this thing. It's like injuries are unfortunate opportunities to get to learn. It's your it's it's life is trying to teach you something, especially when I get these young. My favorite, favorite, favorite clients are like my high school athletes Mm -hmm. because they're at such a critical in, in like impasse in their development as a human and we get to build these really close relationships because it's like, wow, like the, you know, Mike and Brian, they're really in my corner. And these are guys that I can say anything to. And they know that there's like, there's zero judgment here. Like, I don't care what you've done. You're, there's nothing that you could say to me that would make you not like you or not respect you. Right. And so I, I get that. to, I get to have such a relationship with these kids that their parents are almost like, I say the same thing and they don't listen to me. It's like, it's the delivery source a and B it's, you know, um, I've got no skin in the game, you know, so I get to say what I think and, and I treat them as adults and, and we have those real deep conversations on the table in a vulnerable, you know, in a vulnerable state. And there's just something about that, that we really can inspire and teach these young men and women really important life skills are wrapped around this metaphor of injury recovery and what they have to do. They're motivated to get better because they want to go back to their sport. Mm but they don't realize the life skills that they're learning in the process. And we get to kind of give that to them in little bits. And I, and it's really cool for me and like this, have them come back like years later where I was like, man, this isn't just even like rehab and stuff. It's like life coaching. I love, you that. know, one it of my really pro is. guys says like, I'm, I'm his athletic trainer, manual therapist and his life coach. And I it's get, like, I never try to be that, but it's so oh cool. Oh my gosh. I love that. I <laughs> totally get that all the time where it's funny. My, my, my women are like, I know this isn't a therapy session, but it's applicable. And I'm like, it is kind of a therapy session because I can't not know what your internal state of affairs is in life. I can't not know that, right? Like, there is no bucket. Like, this is your physical health bucket. Like, okay, that's the red bucket. And then the blue bucket is this is your emotional health, and that's a blue bucket. The freaking, all of the colors are combined. Right. It's the colors of the rainbow, so we have to know that. That, that actually segues really nicely into kind of like maybe what we'll f- kind of finish the conversation with or as we're like winding down. But, you know, I, I think we, we've already maybe already hit on it a little bit. But, like, w- what are we missing in, in the healthcare mm. scene? You know, because there's a lot of really great, admirable, like, science is incredible. Technology is absolutely amazing. Like, we're learning so much in 2021, you know, when it comes to our ability to use technology to measure things that were previously unmeasurable, you know, pain science, all these things that we're learning about that are really changing the game. But at the same time, this increase of knowledge seems to be crippling and it doesn't seem to add to quality care from my perspective. Mm-hmm. What what are we missing? What do you think we're missing? Mm, I mean... I think a lot. I think I think critical thinking and questioning the things. I think we're missing the ability to, you know, we kind of in our culture just do what we're told. I think it goes like way, way back to just society of just how we're conditioned as people. We're conditioned to when someone says do something, we do it, right? Like right. my mom used to Especially say. Especially if they're in a position of authority above us in some way like even like with a doctor like we put this md up on a pedestal yes and we don't we forget that this is a human being that woke up with their own set of shit this morning maybe they're having a bad day maybe they're in a toxic relationship maybe they don't get enough exercise maybe you know that they're pouring from an empty glass 
You know what I mean? And so we, we put this one diagnosis on this pedestal and I, it just kills me to see patients get led, misled unintentionally. I'm not saying these are bad people at right, all, right, but they're right. humans and we, we almost make them as if they're not. But that's where I think that if you take the MD out or any credentialing out or anything out, like take it away from, from anything, it's just our ability to, to question and, and ask the questions and decide for yourself what feels right for you. I think that people get so consumed in being told what to do and they just want to do that. But it's like, but why don't we- And they want to believe that, that that answer is the right answer yep. as if it's the only one that's right. Cognitive dissonance is the concept of being able to hold opposing thoughts at the same time. And so it means that I don't have to live in a world of polarity of this or this, Mike or orthopedic, Dr. Right. Tercy, or it can be both. And yeah, and the this, end conversation. And this. Right. I mean, all of the things. And I think that we like to box and kind of put everything in this like beautiful box of like, this is this one thing. No, 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 no. And I also think we're missing boundaries. I really think that like I am a, a lover of all things, chocolate and exercise and nature and boundaries. Like I really appreciate a nice boundary where, you know, I see people that come into the office and they're exhausted and they're, they're, they're not feeling good. They're tired. They're like wiped out. And I do work primarily with women. So I think we have this kind of thought process and it's super applicable to health. Stay with me people where we, we have to be, happy right women have to be happy and good and know our role and stay in our lane and be happy housewives and girlfriends and partners and spouses and be sexy and be um dinner is ready and, and right. make money and go out and, and, and be formidable and and right and be all the things we're told to be and there's no boundary and a lot of times i'm hearing that from my women when i'm like tell me about your life like just who are you what do you do and it's like they are giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And no wonder you're freaking wiped right. and you have an autoimmune disease. You've not created space in your life to say this doesn't work for me. I mean, Eastern medicine philosophy states that energy of the thyroid, hypothyroidism, Graves disease, Hashimoto's is an inability to speak your truth. Interesting. Your vocal folds, your larynx, your your this, right? Mm -hmm. You're not speaking something. You're not verbalizing what you need. You're not asking for things. You're not asking for your needs to be met. You're not communicating. And so that can blend into just being told what to do, right? And just going with the flow. Like I think we need boundaries around we were not meant to just freaking exist and work right. and make money and go home and buy stuff. And, and just be consumers and be gluttonous and be, we were not designed for that. Right. I think that's why, you know, and if you really look at like rates of depression and anxiety over the last hundred years, we're seeing like an exponential increase in people totally. in, you know, especially like suicide attempts and suicides in general. And it's, it's a, it's a symptom of a deeper ailment. And, and it, yeah. I really love, uh, I read a book early in my career, which was an Eastern medicine book. It was called A Tooth from the Tiger's Mouth. And it was about how the samurai actually treated a lot of their own injuries and issues. Mm -hmm. And it talks about like moxibustion and all the, and making salves and poultices and all these kinds of things. But it did go into some of the philosophies of traditional Chinese medicine, like what you're talking about, the energies, the meridians, right? Okay, these yeah. kinds of things. And, you know, and again, when we come from a science background, it's easy to just go, <clears throat> 
papa that you know like, i did that for so long so i did that too and like, so like it was really i'm but i'm glad at that time i forget i was working in a traditional athletic training setting so i was working for a collegiate school and we had a janitor right one of the custodians of the school was from uh south america i forget which country he was from but he always had these like weird things and these like I love those weird lotions things. and stuff potions that he was bringing in that smelled horrible and he would but like I was the only person like in the sports medicine department that actually listened to him like mm-hmm. I just because he was so passionate about it and he would give me stuff and like try this try that so I went I was like let me try to educate myself a little bit because there was a little bit of a language barrier you know to understand some of the stuff he was talking about but learn so much and it's and it, it's interesting when you look at medicine a lot of what we take in our modern medicine is rooted in chinese medicine maybe we didn't have the mechanisms exactly right or they didn't have the mechanisms exactly right or the science behind it exactly right but when you start to really unpack it, it there's a lot of cyclical truths there totally I you mean, know what i mean that they were like man that was that, that was, was dead on the freaking that money because it. even if let's just say oh it's not your your throat energy or whatever but the, there is validity to this idea that if you're not taking care of your emotional being your spiritual being however you want to quantify that in your in in your, your own language, mind right, in your language right. right there's there can be a physical ramification for that there will be there is a there yeah exactly be. there will be and so it's it's super interesting you know um cuz I feel like we're kind of in an echo chamber cuz we agree and believe in a lot of the same stuff but I love giving bits and pieces of this especially to people that are really stuck in that traditional medical model and when they find that result by blending it together mm-hmm. it's really really empowering for them but also you know validating for like the approach i guess in general and some people don't really want to like you might be thinking wow where where in my practice can i can i connect with this i had someone today who they were lovely they were i met them for the first time and we just were talking, and the consult's just like what we're doing now. That's right. how my consults are, right? Like, I get to know someone, and she was asking me, she goes, so are you into energy healing? And she kind of said it from, like, a questionable place. And I was, of course, I have to be honest, right? Like, I'm right. not here to to make you comfortable. I'm not here to make you happy. You don't have to agree with my choices. You don't have to. I'm not looking for validation sure. or approval or, or any of that. But she was asking because she did believe in it. And I, I commented on something and she was like almost going to tears because she was like, oh, I just read that book and I can't believe it. And I, and I knew I was coming to you for a reason, but right. you know, I think that people don't talk about it. So you might not see it. Right. But it's kind of like, how willing are you to bring that to the conversation? Right. Like if it's, if you, no one's talking about it, no one's talking about it, but right. if you open the door of, okay, so this was your injury and this happened what happened out outside the injury? Like my mom, my mom was really sick too. We just right. found out on Friday after I played my game, mom was really sick too, or had a, bro- had a breakup, a really hard breakup. I sure. mean, it's, it's there. And, and neuropsychoimmunology for those people that are like, this is woo woo wackadoodle. It is actually science. It is really science. It is actually in the research, especially emotional stuff. It's coming out more and more and more autoimmunity and dr gabe roberts is a really good reference for people he talks all about this where he stopped practicing functional medicine he stopped the supplements and the enzymes and the whole thing because he was like this is not this is this is trauma this body is our only response to trauma emotional trauma and tissues and damage and ligament and i'm not there yet right like i'm not fully there yet with it because i i i think it's well you see also the mechanistic 
advantage to using those tools, right? Because it's tools. It it's right. tools, right? The tools work. The blood work findings change, right? So right. how did that happen if we didn't necessarily address that part, right? Right, but, exactly. Um, but I'm really interested to explore more of that. And I think that keeping the conversation going, I would encourage and really, really call people forward to talk about things that might not, especially if they're really stuck, right? Like I'm really stuck with this thing and I'm not finding answers question your beliefs right like that's a really great thing and, and we know where where we're going probably with that with the whole world and people are not questioning anything one of my favorite uh quotes is a mark twain quote it's um it's not that it's not what you know that gets you into trouble it's what you think you know that just ain't so mm -hmm. and um you know and it's in, it's interesting too because i think even in later in my career now you know like early in my career super into biomechanics and anatomy and like the mechanical aspect of of movement and rehab and trauma and that kind of stuff and then recently again more philosophy but also more communication mm -hmm. and one of the strategies i've been recently using to your point that you just mentioned was i i'm asking more open-ended questions mm -hmm. versus um what's your pain on a scale of zero to ten like where you put a closed parameter. Why does so that's the scale some, have to be zero to 10? Like right. why can't my scale be zero to 4,225? Right. But why even then it's like somebody's going to answer you within the parameters of the question that you ask. So one of my favorite questions to ask people is what else is going on? Even if you think it's unrelated. You have to ask So people, and I don't specify, don't specify. Some people will go with other orthopedic issues that they have. Some people will go with previous issues that they've had. Some people will start unpacking some of their personal stuff as part of that. All like, you know, like the breakup or the, the things like that. Even to the point you said before, like right after I was recovering from my knee surgery, I was playing college lacrosse that first year where I started struggling. You know, I was just getting back to playing was when I found out my mom had cancer. So then I had this whole thing where I was not even at home anymore and able to, I didn't really know what was going on because I was, you know, I wasn't living at home. So that definitely, like at the time, I didn't think it was playing a role in my recovery, but it absolutely did because it was this anxiety that you're living with because you don't know what's happening. You don't know what the future holds and your whole world is changing and you're just trying to cope with that. But I'm also trying to rehab and play lacrosse and go to school and, you know, try to figure out what I want to do with my life, you know? So it's really interesting that you made, that you gave that specific example because I totally like resonated with that. It was a hundred percent, a huge part of it. And it wasn't until I went to therapy year, dec a decade or more after the fact wow. that I started unpacking some of that stuff. I think for everybody, the journey to this space of, of really questioning the things that we think that we know to be true is the journey of their own, of, their own answers of their own struggle of their right. own like this something is not right here right like we don't just pop out of mom's womb and i'm spiritual and, and go I, on this linear path right in life like, yeah. i believe in this like no it's it's the it's the searching and it's the, that didn't work and i don't believe that or i tried that that didn't work too and then you really start to say like oh there's so much more here that i didn't even know mm. yeah 100 percent. and then again you can start to help people on their own kind of journey their own like hero's journey it's like it's all you know self-discovery and finding what works for you it doesn't work the same for everybody you know mm -hmm. super interesting but let's segue into this idea of um you know kind of the current landscape because i know recently on your social media you've been a lot more um impassioned and and transparent about your personal beliefs about covid mm -hmm. vaccination you know the health or at least the health policy behind the strategy because i think what people have to understand is that it is a strategy and it is it a viable strategy 
yes, in some respects, but it's not the whole story. That's uh, I hate when st- when people make stuff black and white, yes or no, or a binary conversation of this is correct and this is incorrect, mm-hmm. because it eliminates the shades of gray, and that's what it is, right? Is this shades of gray conversation? So I'm really. Would you like to expand on like again? I think this uh, the the podcast format allows us to kind of unpack it a bit more, mm-hmm. you know. So like the whole idea of health freedom, yeah. right? So we've kind of touched on that a little bit. But would you mind expanding sure. on that? So one of the things you brought up that I thought was so applicable to me and I resonated with before was in the beginning of this, I didn't want to speak about anything. I didn't want to talk about it, right? Because right. I was like, you know, I don't know. I still don't. I still don't. Personally, and, and I'm still having a hard time with a that. A lot of right. it, totally. I, I so understand that. And myself, I was I was there. And I said, I don't I don't know enough about this. I don't I don't understand this. I don't want to hurt my business, right? Sure. Like, I don't want to hurt It's kind of like a form of imposter syndrome, I guess. Totally. Right. I don't want to make any... I don't want to ruffle the feathers. Right. I don't want to have someone look and be like, no, no, no. Like I don't align with that or agree with that. And then, and then my back was to a wall because as we got through this process of, okay, we're, we're living in this virus and we're, we're living in this world where there's this thing that's out to get us. But I couldn't, like I was busting from my seams of just, I cannot not talk about this as sure. a human. We're, we're not even in this Well, especially space. with your background. I mean, like, you're talking about critters all the time and, like, yes. dealing with this intricate balance between the critters and us that we do live with every we day, whether you're them. aware of it or not. Right. And, and the reality of it is, and I don't I don't know, I don't want to get too woo-woo because, and, and there again, too, if I get too woo-woo, you don't have to take, take it or leave it, right? Like, sure. what does it matter? But I just cannot not honor that we have choice to make a decision and for people that aren't speaking up about it and I get it I get that it's a freaking coercion and it's a battlefield like literally people are so heated and polarized like the topic by default is super polarizing and it's creating so much confusion for people but we cannot my thoughts are I, I really had to speak out when I'm like this is not okay like this whatever your beliefs are pro or against uh the vaccine pro-COVID there are people that don't believe at all in, in, in the virus whatever the beliefs are I don't I don't personally not that I don't care but to be told what we have to do right I am that's not okay with thing, that man. I am not okay that's with that that's my thing and I think a lot of people aren't really caring about it so much because they don't care about the issue per se it's not it's not that passionate for them if it was something they cared about where you know pick and choose your poison right like whatever you are super in love with and passionate about. And if the government told you something that you can and can't do about that, you would flip your sure. lid. You'd right. be like, I'm not able to do this thing. It doesn't matter the topic, but, but this is how it starts, right? Like the control of, well, I don't really care because it's not applicable to me, right? It's like, right. I don't want to be in the conversation. It's not, it's not a big deal to me. I, I'm, I'm still going to work from home. I'm still going to do my thing. You have to speak up regardless. Well, it's got to be can, your own advocate. You have to be your own advocate. And, Never in my life did I think that I would be having to talk about about this, right? About right. like having to be sovereign enough to say I'm not doing that, and you know, and to have your reasons and have them be respected. And, I, and it's weird because, like, like you said, it's such a polarizing thing, and there's like no reward for speaking your mind because it's like if you're 
you're saying like this isn't for me for X reason. It's like your shadow band or you're labeled as you know whatever that camp is of like the or you're an anti-vaxer or you're you know alt right or your political leanings or you're racist or like all this stuff. Like you're just in one box of all of that, you know. But like for me personally, and I really haven't shared any of what I think because I've been afraid to because I don't want to hurt my business or my reputation and those kinds of things. And I'm not an expert, but I got COVID. And when I was home, I freaking read the studies, like actually the papers, not the abstract, like read the damn articles Mm -hmm. trying to educate myself. And this, and I got sick right before the vaccine was available. It was just rolling out. Like, I guess it was available to me because I'm a healthcare provider, but I hadn't, I'm not in an institution. So it wasn't like I would have had to get on a list kind of deal. Anyway, so I get it. And then, but there's no conversation about people who have been sick and recovered. It's like, go get it or, or you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, there's plenty of research to support this idea of natural immunity and that it's as effective or more effective Mm -hmm. than, than, than the, than the jab. So do I think it's, there's a time and a place for everything. And I just wish that we could have the nuanced conversation, the shades of gray, because it's not right for everybody. Is it right for a lot of people? Well, yeah, 88% of our country is metabolically unhealthy. So yeah, it's good for a lot of people, right? It's, it's just unfortunate. But if you're in one of those at-risk categories, like, you know, I have family members. Mike, what do you think? Should I go? Yes. Yes, you should. Well, you're not. Well, I already recovered, but you haven't been exposed to it and you're not healthy. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's the fact, (laughs) right? Right. Go, right. you know, because at least the known benefit outweighs the unknown risk in that situation. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm taking the, the reverse, right? I have the other situation where I've recovered, right? So now it's the unknown risk versus the known benefit. Well, I already have this. My body's already experienced this, right? And so, you know, I was interested to hear your take because you do have more knowledge than I do on virology and immune function because you work with these patients every day. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this idea of like, you know, people are one camp or the other. And it's like, I'm just pro making your own damn choice and and just getting the information and having that information be transparent, which it's not. Mm -hmm which is hard. It's compartmentalized. It's polarized. It's been politicized and it's scary. You know, it's really scary. It's really scary. And you know, people ask me all the time. I have gotten an influx on Instagram of, of, can you write me medical exemptions? I'm willing to pay you $5,000. Get out of here. I kid you not. No way. I have had an influx people that I don't know calling me saying, I know that you're holistic. Um, I'm looking to get an exemption. Can you write one? Like I have had an influx of, of women because by default, a lot of my holistic women or people that, you know, know me or know so-and-so. Right. And my thought is, you know, people ask me, should I get, should I get the vaccine? I will never make a decision for you. I will never answer that for you. I can't, I can't. Should so so just for a second here, I want you to tell me what you think I should do. Ugh, yeah, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? I'm not going to tell you what you should do. I I want you right. to do both sides, right? I always say when you're not sure, play both sides, right? Like, okay, if I don't do it, play it out. If I don't get the vaccine, I might get COVID, and then COVID could be really crappy, and I could, in theory, die. That's a possible option. There's right. endless possible options. If I do get it, I also could have a vaccine injury. 
I could have clotting. I could lose my period, as is been the case for many women that their cycles I have women that are bleeding three weeks back to back after the vaccine um showering clots do we have do we have known mechanisms for why that's the case I don't know the the real mechanism and and the reality of it is is I don't know that that truth or the truth of that will be exposed right like you put on the news and you're expecting that you're going to hear the truth right no you're not like right. you you read the articles and you think that you can get both sides you may not so it's well, so even me like I, I mean i have some medical training but i'm reading these articles and i'm like i don't understand 50 percent of the words and i've gone like you know what i mean like right. i'm a pretty smart guy like right, you know right, and right. i'm on like google like googling these words <laughs> to figure the fuck what it means but but i was doing the best that i could to educate myself and to I have a better understanding and you know? that's really all that i think anyone that i can ask them to do is I will never tell you what to do, and I think the best option is for you to be a sovereign being and feel what feels right. And I have people that have scheduled their vaccine and have canceled three times. Because they get to the moment because and it's overwhelming. Because they can't do it, and there's, right. something that, there's something. They can't quantify the something. They're like, I just can't do it. I don't know why. I don't right. know why. And in those moments, please honor that. Please just honor that. Well, like, that's that's like being human in general is like we're all faced with decisions every day that are difficult and there's conflict and there's pros and cons. And we make our decisions. And, and I think people that are that are well put together mm-hmm. are willing to accept the consequences of those decisions, whatever they are. Right. And, and that's the point is I'm making this decision, whatever it is. It doesn't matter which mm-hmm. way, pro or for, for or against. You, you have to live with the consequences of that exactly. action. Exactly. And it I may don't... not work out the way that you want totally. it to because when in life does that happen? I'll wait. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Right. And, and my, my personal opinion is I am not willing to risk. I, I trust my body. I trust my I, – I see how things work with viral load. I am not willing to risk something happening that would be – I would rather – my personal opinion is I'll take my chances on getting COVID – and right. I will be okay. Right. That is my personal opinion. Well, I, you know, and again, when you're checking off the boxes in health. Yes. It, it's very interesting. The whole way this has played out, um, you know, I'm sure we could go really deep down this rabbit hole, but I do appreciate your candor and your honesty and just kind of how, you, you know, you think through this because it is difficult. And people do ask, like, Mike, what, do you, what would you do? And it's like, that's a different conversation, though. You know, it's hard. Like, what would I do? It's, you know, you're not me. Exactly. And you don't have the same beliefs and the same thoughts and the same. And that's why it's like, I hate that question, right? I was like, I love you either way. Right. Right. It's like, that's like the thing is like, I I, I respect you either way because you have your reasons. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I have people that come in and it's so funny because I'm not the kind of provider that's like, oh, you did. Oh, you shame them. They get shamed. People get shamed to the doctor. But it's funny because it's kind of it's the human, right? Like people come in and they're like, I know you're going to look at my food journal and I just want to confess I had a cheeseburger on Friday. Like they like, like roll out like as if I would be. Like, I don't care what you had, right? Like I'm not against. I you're like, meat. how was it? <laughs> I'm like, I hope you whatever. I don't have any restrictions. I eat meat. I eat all the things. But, um, but it's funny because it's like our human consciousness of like people that in my practice have gotten the vaccine. Are like I just want you to know I got the vaccine. I'm like, I don't care that you got the vaccine. Like, I will. You will be welcome in this practice every day, right. and I will be here to do what you need me to do and support you on what we're doing for our goals. Right. But I will not stand for the fact that you have to get that. I will right. not play that's, into that's, the fear. That's my thing. That's I will a hard not do that. oh, man. That's, that's a hard no for me. This is a slippery slope that we're in. It's, it's a boundary. Like, and, yeah, that's the boundary. That's the boundary I of I will Setting not. Setting the boundary. I will not do it. 
Dr. Tercy, thank you so much for coming. Thanks I think that's a, maybe me. a good way to, you know, um, to leave it at that. Boundaries, we'll leave people. Leave it there, boundaries. <laughs> Practice your boundaries. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your services or maybe if they're interested in that, that you can help them? Or a lot. Of, I get a lot of clinicians, I think, that listen to this as a referral source because I do think you're a fantastic source. My patients that I've sent to you, nothing but amazing feedback. So, and, and, and it's, it's not impossible, but it's difficult to find providers like you. It really is. And so when we got connected, I forget how, I guess it was through a mutual contact or just social media, but I was like, wow, somebody in my area, finally that I can bounce or, or have a place to send people um, that need this kind of care. So how can we find you? How can people reach out? What's the process? If maybe they're a patient or they're a prospective client, uh, how can they, what's the process? Well, I'm myself on all platforms. So you mm-hmm. can find me on YouTube, just my name, Instagram, Facebook. You go I'm, by Dr. Elise Tercy yeah, on those Dr. platforms. Yeah, just Dr. Elise Tercy okay. on all those platforms. I'll leave this in the show notes as well, guys. Perfect. Um, I think I might have a TikTok. Not sure. So maybe I'm on TikTok. <laughs> maybe like a video. You mean you're TikTok? not going to dance and point to random graphs that you put up? I think I'm too old up? for TikTok. No, Is that like I just, a fear? I just like, Are people you on like, TikTok? I have a, an account, but I don't use it. How do I feel um, like I'm too old for TikTok? I don't think we're too old for it. I just like, I'm not going to fucking dance and point at shit. I will, but where I'm sorry to curse, but I'm time? not going to do it. I wonder all the time. I'm like, where in my day do I, <laughs> can I like set this up? Like I tried and this is really silly, but back in the day when, um, savage love. That song came out. I tried to like learn the dance, and I'm like, I, I am a. The camera is. I have to be with the people on the screen because I can't do it like chirality, right? Like an answer right, and right. chirality comes into place. I couldn't do it, and I said to myself, I don't have the time to do this. So I feel I, I really love the people that can take time and content creators because there is time involved, right? Like sure. the people that crank out content, and they're doing these cool videos with like the makeup, all the and editing, and all. Yeah, 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 I love that, but I, I I can't do it myself, and I don't know how to do it. So I'm not right, so, maybe on TikTok. So don't find Dr. Tercy on TikTok. No, is what you might saying. be very disappointed <laughs> in terms of the following, but so I myself on all platforms, and the way that I can work with someone if they're like, "Ooh, this sounds really kind of interesting. I may maybe a fit." I always offer. A discovery session so okay. they can go to my website it's just me drelisetercy.com schedule an appointment and then discovery session it's a phone call yes i'm in office people have been calling saying are you seeing people people are dying to be in person i am in pr- i've been open the whole time with covid i've been you know practicing but i just offered the discovery session as a phone session it's an hour to learn about you, your goals, your concerns, what's working, what's not working. See if it's a fit. To see if it's right. a fit. Sure. Because I might not be the right fit for you and you might not be the right fit for me. So mm-hmm. there's no required anything after that, right? There's no commitment. It's just here I am showing up. Can you help me? This is what's going on. So there's right. always that possible option in terms of maybe working with them. And I know you said you, you know, most of your clientele is female, but you do also work with males as well. I do work with men mm-hmm. and the reason for that is not because anything other than women are a little bit more apt to kind of be proactive. Like, unless something is really wrong with men, which I'll tell you. The oh, t- I mean, the, the, the statistics are out on that. Like, a, a man will wait till he's dying to go to the doctor. Totally. Like, they may come in. St- not always, but like, if we're generalizing, men are more typically more hesitant to they seek are. help. For anything in life, not for, even just healthcare, anything, right? For anything, right? Like directions, but that's I also think why. women is. Uh, I think women's health in general is an underserved population. Like the specialty of right, the so it's, right. There's so much more. There, there's so much complexity there that I think that 
you know, absolutely, it, it's a, a necessity for sure. But you do do the same, like the blood totally. work, the functional work. Yeah, a lot of guys work. like the blood work. They're like, I right. want to get my testosterone, my free and total testosterone. I want my DHT, right. free and total, my cortisol, my sugar. Metabolic syndrome is a lot of things or a lot of reasons people would come in males. They're like, right. I've got to lower my insulin. So performance-based slash, okay, yeah, totally. 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 And the metabolic health. right? They love that. They're right. like, I want the comprehensive because that is something that sets me apart from the conventional as I order Really freaking comprehensive lab work. Like okay. 22 vials. You hear that, guys? If you're trying to get shit right. Do it. <laughs> get the blood work done. People love and it. And I'm definitely interested in doing that for myself as well because, you know, I'm 35 now, so... I want to, and I feel, I feel good. I feel good. No, I'm I'm saying in the sense of like, I feel good now and I'd love to get a snapshot of where I'm at currently. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I've, I haven't been good about my own fitness lately and that's, that's got to change. But, um, I'd like to get a snapshot because you know, there's phases of life that you go through and you want to kind of maybe just have your finger on the pulse is kind of, I think where my head's at. The blood work is cool because, and I have a video for people that are listening that may be really interested in the comprehensive cool. blood work. They can check it out on YouTube, but it really is a highly, I probably get maybe nine calls a day. I heard you do comprehensive blood work. Can you give me a call back? I'm interested. People love it. Yeah. It's fun. It's helpful. It's really freaking well, they don't, And they're not getting that at their primary. And they're not, right. and they're asking, they're like, but I asked my doctor to look at this and they wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but that's like the, you know, like the, the service, you know, like the, the the Jiffy Lube kind of approach to modern healthcare, right? It's like you show up and get serviced, whatever the standard procedure is. And the that's algorithm. It, the algorithm. You don't fit yeah. this algorithm, so we right. can't do that thing. So find her at drleastercy.com is the website, and then obviously the same on all your platforms. Yeah. I'll link your YouTube channel to the okay, to the cool. show notes as well, so it makes it easier for people to click through. Um that is awesome. Thank you so much for coming. And this is like the first live one I've done in a long time. So this is great. To, I just, I like this better than I virtual, love this. Love right? It. The, the FaceTime, the real, like, you know, how much of our, you know, uh, communication is nonverbal. It's just, it's just so much more of a cool I love experience. this. I want this. I, I like, need yeah. to come up with all, I need yeah. to know where you bought all the things here. Probably Amazon. <laughs> But no, I'm, I'm more than happy to help you if I can with that kind of stuff. It's okay, great. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you're not already, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Um, we really do appreciate the support. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and I will upload the full video to YouTube as well. So definitely check that out. If you want to see the video version of, of the uh, show, you can definitely check that out on YouTube. And um, we'll probably have to do this again at some other junction. Maybe there'll be some developments that we can unpack a little bit more. But Dr. Tercy, thank you so much again for your time. And uh, we will talk to you, all of you guys sometime soon. Thank Take you care. so much. Thank Bye, you. guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Movement Underground Radio. If you like the episode, please subscribe so that you're notified when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram at the Movement Underground. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeStella underscore ATC. Please visit us on the web at themovementunderground.com and check out our YouTube channel at The Movement Underground. If any of you guys have any questions or would like to leave a comment, please do so or reach out to us through any one of those channels. We'd be happy to get back to you. Uh, if you would like to be featured on The Movement Underground Radio, definitely drop us a line and we can talk. So we hope you liked it and we'll see you guys next time.